Get some recipes. Yeah. Yes, sir. I can't believe you've done this. Welcome to the Evolve Podcast, a podcast that explores personal evolution through our choices and overcoming life's challenges. The Evolve community is your ultimate destination for personal growth and evolution. True to form, I'm, I get to continue to be the dumbest person in the room. That's fantastic. Thank you. Did you ever get a, uh, uh, a quantum physical uh, explanation for how to uh, bake a meatloaf from a porn star? Bake a meatloaf from a porn star? Uh, so, Larry, what uh, we'd like to start the show by asking our guest, what is inspiring them right now? Is there music that you're listening to? Is there a book? Is there a person in your life? What is inspiring Larry Gelwicks right now? Well, my wife, Kathy, always inspires me, and uh, I think she pulls out the, the best in me. Um, uh, she and I were speaking at an event some time ago, and I had the pleasure of introducing Kathy. And uh, after giving her bio, graduating from the University of Utah in, in computer science, Go I Utes. this observation. To really understand Larry and Kathy and to understand our relationship, you there are two statements, both of which are absolutely true. The first statement is that I seriously married above myself. That's <laughs> I'll agree with statement you there. Statement number two is that Kathy agrees with statement number one. Number one. <laughs> <laughs> So That's what you're fantastic. saying is Kathy is a very That's wise fantastic. person. Yes, yes, she is. You know, it, you asked about what inspires me. I think it's it's navigating through uncharted waters. You know, uh, we've never lived through anything like this pandemic and the social right. upheaval, the emotional, psychological uh, opportunity and destruction that we've seen. And it's... Um, it's, it's realizing those opportunities and seizing upon them and not, not digging a hole, being a victim the rest of my life. Right. Yeah, I love that. It's something we've talked about on the podcast before, that it really has upended a lot of parts of life. Not just that we don't have the social interaction, but it is affecting people mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and that is a big challenge. So um, I'm with you on that one. And with that, folks, we want to welcome you to another episode of the Evolve Podcast, a podcast that explores personal evolution through our choices and overcoming the challenges that life throws at us. Uh, coming to you all the way from Sin City is Mr. Sin himself, the big hairy bear, <laughs> Casey Mitch Mitchell. <laughs> welcome, Casey. Thank you. And Currently freezing to death in the tundra of Northern Ohio <laughs> is the professor of everything, W. Miles Riley. Welcome, Miles. Uh, thank you. It was 40 degrees here today, okay? Wow. Oh, much 40. better than when you, you turned the, the other on? night. Turn the AC on? Yeah. I, no, actually, I actually opened the window to just let some of that fresh air come in. That's great. You probably need to shower so you don't have to open the window as much. And hiding out somewhere in the mountains of Utah, I'm Steve Cutler. Today, our guest is Larry Gelwicks, uh, the man who not only helped me get a radio show about over 15 years ago, but he told me point blank that I had a face for radio. Larry Gelwicks, uh, welcome, my friend. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you, Steve. And that uh, face of yours continues. Thank you. <laughs> For over Larry, 36 did you, did you steal that line from Quiz Show? Uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, for over 36 years, Larry served as the volunteer head coach of the Highland High rugby team. The team's success, which produced a win-loss record that is unbelievable, of 418 wins and just 10 losses in 36 year years, including 20 national rugby championships, caught the attention of Hollywood, and they produced a major motion picture entitled Forever Strong, which tells the true life story of Larry and the Highland rugby team. 
Uh, in 2012, Larry was also featured in a documentary called Larry Gilwick's No Regrets, which also won an Emmy Award for Best Documentary that year. And Fox News and the national media have labeled, labeled Coach Gilwick's as the winningest coach in America. Now, Coach Gilwick's we're going to have to give you a pass on this one because he received a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in organizational communication, which from a guy like myself, who's a University of Utah fan, would say the school down south, oh Brigham boy. Young University. Thank, oh you, Ur thank you, Urban Meyer. Yes. Uh, Larry has spent time in the airline and travel industry, including the CEO of an airline and owner of the largest travel companies in the country. He also serves right now as CEO of Columbus Travel in Bountiful, Utah, as a syndicated radio talk show host and a recognized leader in leadership management and coaching. Uh, Larry, you've spent a lot of time traveling the country doing corporate coaching and keynote appearances and speaking to a lot of different organizations. But I'd like to start talking about your coaching background, it's clear you had a philosophy for winning that you had developed. How did you develop that philosophy of winning that allowed you to win, become the winningest coach in the country? Well, I, you know, I, I learned from people who are a lot better and a lot smarter than me. I, I think one of the keys to success is just being a sponge, cut and paste, mm. take things in and then adapt it to your own situation. And as opportunities come, thoughts and ideas come that work for you. It's not having a cookie cutter approach to coaching or to life, but being able to uh, call audibles and make changes as the opportunity arises. Now, one of the things that I learned from you years ago, when I started in a larger leadership role with the company that I was at, Larry, um, I came to you and I said, hey, I've got a certain amount of turnover. In the industry that I'm in, there is a certain amount of turnover that happens. And I was really fascinated by the fact that you have 100% turnover in your players every three to four years. And yet with that turnover, you were able to take a system and continually turn out championship teams. And so I know that you had an approach and a philosophy, but you were able to call those audibles. What were some of the key principles that you put together that allowed you and your teams to be so successful? Well, first of all, uh, thank you for your generous comments there. But, uh, you know, you find, and what doesn't come through in the movie Forever Strong is how big the team was. You know, you see in the movie, a couple dozen players we had over 200 players, 15. Holy cow. 200 wow. players, grade 7 through 12. Oh, so you did you did 7. Okay, it wasn't just yeah, high we, school. It was, right, yeah. Uh, right, Casey. We brought okay. in the junior highs. Uh, we wanted to get them started early. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we also wanted to teach them our culture and identity. Yep. That's perfect. That, that is a 12 months a year. It's, it's outside the season. It's during the season. Yeah. But, but what you, and we had 15 coaches, six different age grade teams. It was a big operation. And all of the coaches, we were volunteers. Nobody was uh, paid a dime. We practiced every day in the spring. Um, most, most of our boys also played football, but no. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, we got after it. Now, here's what I learned, uh, Steve, Miles, and Casey, is if you want to have a championship team, you, you know, you just don't start out with a bunch of Heisman Trophy winners. Uh, mm. you've, but you've got to have good players. <laughs> and, and you're moving to borrow the book title from good to great. I started noticing characteristics in champions, a laser-like focus on goals, uh, but calling audibles when the situation arise, uh, a, a work ethic that was exceptional. And you have to paint a vision, a roadmap. You know, at the beginning of, of each season, I would stand in front of the boys, all 200 of them, uh, and say, listen, fellas, we got a choice to make. And uh, there's two roads that we can take. 
one road is we can, you know, we can have a lot of fun. We can just be kind of a social side. We don't have to practice so much. We'll have a lot of pizza parties, pool parties, and we'll go out and play and just have a lot of fun. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's what we want to be. Or we can go after another national championship. We can be a highly competitive team. That road goes this way. And I said, here is the price tag on, on each road. What do you want to do? And you paint the price tag of what it will take. And they always said, coach, we want to be champions. And I said, do, do you understand what you're saying? Do you understand what you're committing yourself to? Because once we go down that road, there is no turning back. And they, they have a, a very clear price tag. You know, here's the other thing that I found, uh, fellas, is that attitude and effort is everything. Attitude and effort is more important than natural smarts. Attitude and effort is more important than natural abilities. And the key to a championship, as I said, barring the book title, is moving from good to great. And so let's talk about that. When, when you would get players, obviously coming in, you had players that were ranging from seven to 12 in, in grade, right? So you're obviously not getting a seventh grade uh, rugby player. That is great. You might get somebody who has some exceptional talent at that particular age. How did you take that person or that player and get them into great by the time that they got into grades 10, 11, or 12? Well, first of all, Steve, greatness is not a comparative virtue. I am not mm. great compared to you or you to me. Greatness is when we are performing at our optimum, but growing and taking on more, getting better in the process. Uh, what we did is, is, they have to have skin in the game. They have to buy into it. What I found is that pep talks have very short-term effectiveness, very okay. short-term. But long-term motivation has to come from inside. And that is when they buy into the system, they see, they see the, the road down ahead. We used to talk about expect to win and focus on the final score. Uh, win is spelled in caps, W-I-N, W period, I period, N period. It's an acronym for what's important now. Think of a GPS. You put in the final destination and once you hit go or directions, the final destination is still out there, but now what is right in front of you is what is the next step? I'm going to go two miles and turn right on Highway 5 or something. Yeah. And each step along the way, uh, is it, it, that's where your major focus is. You keep the final score in mind, the uh, focus on the final score, but what is the next step? Hey, and uh, that's the key. Absolutely. Larry, I have a seventh grade son. He's 12 years old. And I'm thinking as you're, as you're talking about this, it's awesome. I, I'm trying to, I'm picturing you standing in front of 200 young men from 12 year olds to almost 18. How, how did you accomplish in that successful environment to touch the, the 12 year old and the almost 18 year old in that same speech of the buy-in of painting the picture of that price tag. Cause I, I know how my, I know how many times I have to remind my son to pick up the socks at the top of the stairs for seven days straight till he picks them up. So I'm just, <laughs> it just is a very, I love what you're saying. And I, I just, if that came to my mind, as you're talking, I'm thinking I'm seeing this mass amount of young men, and, and a lot of them are probably watching butterflies fly around or the grass grow. And how do you grab them? I mean, I know how athletes operate. I, I know. So it's just interesting. Well, a couple of things. And Casey, that, those are great questions. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Uh, number one is we had a mentoring system where the older players looked after the younger players. You know, you take the student body president, the quarterback on the football team, the big yeah. campus, and they're like God on their high school campus, you know? Right. And do you know what it means when, when 
this most popular kid in school who plays on the rugby team, everybody wants to be him, walks up to a ninth grader when he's standing in front of his friends and says, hey, Greg, uh, why don't you come have lunch with us today? Oh, wow, so, yeah. Or, or, and, and these other friends are like this. Yeah. Know him? Yeah. My friend. And, and see, kids at that age, uh, 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 you know, we'll call the, we're going to call the superstar Steve. So Steve is talking. Oh boy! Larry. Oh boy! And, you know we're, we're stretching never here. That, Larry, we're never yeah, going to get the end of that, Larry. You will never get the end of that. He's going to have to open this door wider to get out of that office. That's there right. You go. Well, yeah. See, Steve can say to Greg, "Hey, Greg, listen. You know, don't be stupid. You don't have to mess with drugs or alcohol. You know, and listen. You, you know." We got we to gotta get this in practice. When you have an internal mentoring system, you saw it in the movie that former yeah. players would write letters to the current players. That's a true mm -hmm. story. I love and that. Say, I absolutely hey, I love that. I wore your jersey. I played your position. I know what you're going through. Yeah. And with 2020 hindsight, this is what I, I recommend. We'd have alumni come back. Now, keep in mind, I coached 36 years. Those yeah. seniors were what eighteen. I have alumni who are teenagers in their twenties, thirties, forties, and fifties. I have yeah. I have alumni who are AARP now. You know, <laughs> and you know what's really fun about some it. of them is I can now run faster than some of these. Yeah, guys. yeah there you go. And I weigh yeah. about half of what they don't those, call you Larry the Bond for nothing. Those ones you run right? faster of, they're probably named Steve, right? Uh, yeah. Yes, in fact, guaranteed. Anyway, I don't call you Larry the Bod Gelwicks for nothing. <laughs> right, right. Well, listen, so I think one is having a mentoring system where, you know, the older players really look after the younger players and they know who their charges are and yeah. they look after them. And that is everything to a kid. But I think the second one is really helping the boys understand, not preaching, but a lot of storytelling, this principle. There are only two pains in life. There's the pain of hard work and there's the pain of regret. Hard work's tough. You, you think you're gonna break, you think you're gonna bend, and you, you sometimes wonder, can I even get through this? It could be emotional, psychological, physical, spiritual challenges. But at the end, think of the end of a good workout, Steve. I know you're a workout fanatic. Mm -hmm. um, think at the end of a really tough practice, a, a, you know, a situation that you've overcome. You feel so good. Yeah. And that's the pain. That's the pain of hard work, because that's where the growth comes. And you yeah. help them see. And when you correct them, you, I mean, you, this is not let's hold hands and sing Kumbaya. You can, you can correct them, but you point a path forward and you never make the correction personal. Like my grandmother could run faster than you. You never make it personal, right. but, but you're straight up and there's no fluff there or they'll never believe another thing that you say, but you also show what they're doing well. And so the, they understand that the pain of hard work is temporary, but the rewards are forever. And they yep. see those rewards. And then, but the pain of regret, if we don't try to fix whatever needs to be fixed in our relationships, in our personal life, in our families, in our business, if we don't try to fix it, I promise you that the pain of regret will never go away. And I'm telling you, 12, 13, 14 year old boys get this, maybe not on day one, but it starts to sink in. And they're hearing this from their peers that they look up to. And you see a change in them and they yeah. see the reward and they want to be a part of it. C can I mention one thing before your next question? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think this will bring it all into focus, Casey. I help the players understand there's really only three types of players. In my, in my 30s, I coached some total three to 4,000 young men. Now, not wow. alone. I had, I had, you know, 15, 16 other coaches. Yeah. But there are three types of players. There is a player who, who 
was so happy to be on the team, to wear the T-shirt, to wear the jersey, but was really comfortable on the sidelines. No criticism. That's just the way it is. And he wanted to be a part of something great, but he really was comfortable not being in the game. The second player was on the field in the game, but waiting for the game to come to him. The third is what we call a go-to guy. It's, it's a Michael Jordan, a Patrick Mahomes, a Tom Brady, a Steve Young. When the game is on the line, it's give me the ball, not for selfish reasons, but because I'll get it done. And yep. so you help the players understand which of these three categories are you? Are you, are you the go-to guy? No, not selfishness. Right. We used to we used to have a saying before we'd take the field. It doesn't matter who scores. It only matters that we score. We repeated yep. that before every game yep. as a team. Yeah, you have that in your movie ball? too. Do you want the ball? Are you waiting for the game to come to you? Or are you really <laughs> comfortable on the sideline? Yeah. You put those together, and you see these kids just buy into it. Yeah, Larry. Yeah, Larry. Larry. All of this stuff sounds really good. You know, I, I kind of believe it, but come on, tell me. I know there's a couple of seventh and eighth graders you, you gave a Corvette to or a stack of $100 bills. <laughs> yeah, come on, Larry. Let me tell you about one of them. Come on, Larry. Steve Butler is his name. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> no, Steve didn't play for me, but I, uh, I, I had to bring him back down to earth. Anyway, sorry, <laughs> <Thank> Miles. <you>. <laughs> <laughs> Larry, you, you know, a couple of things that uh, when when you look at what you're talking about with this mentoring system. Now, one of the greats out there that is very well known, John Wooden, who was a great basketball coach, had a, had a coaching record of 885 wins to 203 losses. Now, your coaching record, 418 wins and 10 losses. Um, Wooden had a very similar philosophy in the mentorship And I remember you and I talking about this years ago as you taught me that principle. And I'll tell you, I applied it with my kids. My oldest would teach my second daughter how to do things. My second daughter would teach my son. And they got by into the family culture. Was My question for you is, were there certain principles or were there certain things that you asked the mentors to do? And I guess the reason I ask this question is I want to know for our listeners, if there if there's a father or a mother out there or maybe a coach that is like you volunteering their time, or maybe it's somebody in business, what did you do? How did you set up that mentorship program? What guidance did you give the mentors to help them to bring up those that were just coming into your program? Thank you for that question, Steve. You know, in any group, in business, in a church or synagogue, uh, in, in a community, in a family, in a sports team, there is a core of key people. You got to grab them first. And, you know, this is particularly true with the adolescent group is, you know, they, they, they so much want to be accepted. What their friends think is everything. Uh, uh, and, you know, and so if you get, I'll call them the cool guys, you know, the cool guy, yeah. uh, the Casey Miles and Steve's of the world. How am I doing? More so Miles than Casey and I. <laughs> no, you get, you get the leaders, the ones that others really look up to. Yeah. You get them involved in, in the mentoring and they carry it. They are coaches on the field. You know, I always felt that my coaching really, I won't say stop, but was kind of over at game time. I mean, mm. the players on the field, keep in mind that rugby is continuous action. Right. It's not stop and go, stop and go. You can send players in, you can send players out. It's continuous action. And your team leaders, not just the captains, but some team leaders, they had to be the coaches on the field. They were calling the plays. They were calling the defensive schemes. They were calling the attack. And, and I think that's where the mentoring comes from, Steve, is you, you get that, that nucleus, that core of key people, and uh, they sell it. They teach it. They provide it. It almost sounds as though 
if if I'm correct, is that once you got them, your players to assume responsibility, they could run with it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And there's you know, Miles, there's there's an interesting ways to teach that. You can only do so much in practice. But for example, an important part of our team was community service, with no thought of getting anything in return. You see this highlighted in the movie. Yeah, we yeah. go out and do community service. Now, first of all, I think that community service in and of itself uh, teaches great principles, you know, of selflessness. Oh, selflessness. What is one of the biggest criticisms of ball players? Well, he's a selfish player. He's a ball right. player. Yeah. See, in the back of my mind, we were teaching game principles as we were doing community services uh, that were, you know, it's, it's the effort, it's the completion of the task. We taught two types of leadership, and that there are really only two. You can read every book on leadership, and there's only two styles. One is a vertical leadership. The other is a horizontal. A vertical leadership uh, is based upon the assumption that you can't do it, Miles, without me. And if we have success, if the team is winning, it's great coaching. If the company is profitable, it's a great manager or, or president. But if but if the team's losing, it's it's lazy, messed up players. And and the basic assumption of vertical leadership it's based upon fear and intimidation, which is the greatest motivator of all, but it's short term. They'll never do it for you. And at some point that fear will diminish and then I'll ne you'll never have my back. You'll never do it for me. And I see mm. this with coaches and bosses and parents and people that, you know, I, I can get you to do almost anything through fear and intimidation. If you're yeah. in a dependent relationship with me for a job or a playing time or whatever, but it will go away. That's vertical leadership. Horizontal leadership, again, is not mamby-pamsy, everything's fun. And I mean, you can be as tough as nails, but you're not, it's never personal. It's mm -hmm. fair and it's clearly laid out. I, I'll give you an example. At the beginning of every season, I would talk to the players and said, now listen, in terms of respect and dignity, we're all the same. The seventh grader and the 18 year old, the, me, the, the head coach, the uh, 10th grade coach, we're all the same in terms of human dignity and respect, but we are different. Mm. And let me tell you how we're different. It's our job. I can't win without you and you can't win without me. Let's focus on cooperation rather than competition with each other. That is the hallmark of a horizontal leader where the, the, the team is, is above the individual. Yeah, I love that. And and Larry, one of the, I think they showed that well in the Forever yeah, Strong movie. Yeah, it came across um, well in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I my wife and I recently rewatched it, and you know we were wondering because this is something you and I have not talked about before of how much of that was true story, how much of it was Hollywood. But before I get into the question, let's just get a couple of truths out of the way. Uh, number one, I think you and I would both agree that they should have cast Arnold Schwarzenegger to play you. That would have been a more accurate physical description. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then number two, I actually think they did a pretty good job of showing the type of, uh, let's say, classy shirts that you wear. Because uh, you wear some great Hawaiian shirts. Well, get, and uh, in the movie, Hawaiian there's some shirts. classy shirts, right? But Larry, what were there things about the movie that after you saw it, and I know you were a part of it, you were the uh, you were one of the the refs or the umpires on the field, right? But were there what were parts of the movie that were the the true story, and what were parts that were maybe dramatized for Hollywood? And did Gary Cole do a good job of playing you? I was very pleased with Gary Cole. He and I got to spend some good time together, and what a gentleman! What a, just a good guy, you know, and uh, I was I was thrilled that uh, he was cast uh, to take my part. I'll give you an insight and then I'll tell you a couple things that were not accurate in it. Uh, I got a call from the studio. 
they'd been this this Hollywood studio they'd been in New Zealand for six months doing a film. They fell in love with the game of rugby, which incidentally, whilst still a developing sport in the United States, the fastest growing sport in America, mm. it's the second most popular sport in the world. There's a world yeah. cup. I mean, it's just huge. And they fell in love with the national game of New Zealand while they were doing this other film. They decided they wanted to do a rugby film. They think we got, we got motion pictures on, on wrestling and basketball and ice hockey and soccer and baseball, but no one had ever done a major motion picture on rugby. They decided to do one. And uh, I said, well, how did you get my name? And they said, well, everywhere we asked international or here in the US, your name came up. They wanted to do an American story. And uh, so they said, could we come to Salt Lake where my office is? And talk to you. And I said, sure. And they came and four hours later, they left and they had binders, storyboards. And they said, we, you'll have, you know, we have to sign a release. Let me give you a couple of days. And the executive producer said he'd call me. A couple of days later, he called me and said, well, coach, what do you think? Uh, uh, what do you think of the idea? And I said, I think it's a great idea. It's a story that should be told. He said, great, is it a go? And I said, no, it's a no-go. And I remember this stunned silence on the phone. And he says, well, wait a minute, I thought you just said it was a great idea. It's a fantastic story. It needs to be told. But you're saying no? And I said, that's correct. I'm saying no. He said, well, help me understand. And I said, it's a great story, but you got the wrong story. See, the original movie focused really on me. Yeah. Uh, almost like a um, remember the Titans, you know, different genre, oh, yeah, all of that. It really was more focused on me. And I said to them, you know, uh, I mean, that's really flattering. I mean, how, how many funerals do you go to where someone says, looks down at the casket and said, <laughs> I made a movie about this guy? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I said, but I said, you know. I know my role as head coach. I'm very comfortable in that role. My role is to teach, to inspire and motivate, to correct when necessary, and to manage the team and manage the operation. I'm very comfortable in that. But I said, you know, at the end of the day, it's these young men who bust it day in and day out, during season and out of season, out of season when their friends are eating pizza and going to movies and they're in the weight room working out. They're on the track running, you know, getting fit 12 months out of the year. And I said, these boys are just busting their tail. I said, you want the story? You make it about the boys. Sure, my character's in it, but you make it about the players and it was like, click, click, a light went on. And the whole movie changed at that point. Now, one of the things I did say is, you know, I know there'll be some Hollywoodization, but I don't want you making up a bunch of stuff. It's gotta be rooted in true stories. And I don't wanna walk out of the theater uh, embarrassed. Mm -hmm. Now there's two parts of the movie that are not accurate. One is, they have me sitting in a lawn chair. That's all I do. <laughs> I mean, give me a break. I'm a very uh -huh. hands-on coach. I'll tell you where that came about. In the year uh, 2002. Yeah, I always wondered about that. I, I, in so, 2002, during the season, I had a serious heart attack. Oh. Uh, mm -hmm. in I was in the ICU, cardiac ICU. I flatlined twice. Uh, but uh, that's another story. There were angels in that room. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's another story for another day. Yeah, that's but, awesome. But uh, as I was uh, discharged, the doctor said, you got to go home and rest. I said, go home and rest. I'm going to practice. I got a team. <laughs> and he said, well, I, I can't control you after you leave the hospital, but uh, take a lawn chair and just sit in the lawn chair. So I did. Mm. I took the lawn chair. So that's where the lawn chair came well, from. Well, yeah, but it... It was like yeah. for two days, I couldn't take it. <laughs> anyway, I got back, I, back out on the field and so the players are saying, no, that's, that's not coach. Yeah. yeah. That's not coach. Oh, but uh, the part that 
that came in that also is talking to the players one-on-one. I did that. Uh, we talked hmm. to them. We never did, awesome. we didn't talk about rugby. We talked about life. You know, yeah. uh, Bill, how are you? How are you doing in school? Yeah. You know, and you just kind of get inside their head. And, and because they trust you, they will open up and talk about their greatest successes and their greatest fears. So, uh, again, you know, I didn't sit in a lawn chair. The other part that's not accurate is, as you can obviously see right here, I am much more muscular than Gary Cole. <laughs> <laughs> Completely, I get it. Yeah, you know, like listen, I said, there, Arnold there Schwarzenegger is, should have played. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There is some Hollywoodization on some of the stories and relationships, but it's sure. rooted in true stories. Yeah, that's awesome. What about so Neil McDonough? Did he? Did you? Did he stare you down? I mean, he plays the bad guy in a lot of movies. Did he stare hey, you down, or what was he like in person? I'm just curious. We just in, finished watching Yellowstone. Yeah, or Minority Report, or Band. Yeah. Brothers. Let me tell right, you about right. Neil. Something he said to me. One of the nicest guys I've met. A very devout Christian. I've heard that. Hmm. And. Um, Talk about the coach of the other those, team, right? You know, he has those right. piercing blue eyes. Yeah, right, you know? right. And uh, I remember he and I were on the set one day. Oh. The studio, the uh, the studio uh, invited me to come up anytime. And I love the food truck that they had there, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but and he and I were talking one day. And he said, he says, you know, Larry, I'm always cast as the bad guy, you know, or the tough guy. And you think about his roles and many of them are that way. Yeah. He is a gentle giant. Yeah. Uh, He is a wonderful man, a man of intense character and, um, and high moral standards. He often went to mass as, as often as he could while, while he was filming and there was that one scene where uh uh you see tears come yeah oh yeah yeah those were real tears nobody took eye droppers and dropped water in his eyes i mean he he was in character he felt the part yeah those tears were real uh just an amazing man wonderful man that's awesome yeah what a great experience. Now, you coached for over 36 years. This movie was made about a season of your coaching career. Was there, over those 36 years, was there a season? Were there specific moments? Was there a championship that you remember more than another one? Uh you know, actually, Steve, it wasn't the movie was not a single season, although it was portrayed as that. Oh, I guess it, it took sure. stories okay. from 30 plus years. The movie opened in theaters coast to coast in 2008 and had a good run. It then went to a very successful international run. And it was the in-flight movie on, I don't know, a dozen or more airlines, United Airlines and others. Yeah. So with um, as much as you travel, you got to watch your movie yeah. several times, oh, I'm sure. Let me, yeah. tell you what, let me tell you what's kind of fun. <laughs> uh, was, you know, at the end, first of all, they, they gave me a cameo uh, role and cameo appearance as the referee in the final match. Yeah. Uh, ma- many people said it was an Academy performance. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I, mean, I was a little on, questionable on, about guys. some of your calls, though, Larry. I was a little questionable about some of your calls. You have yeah. to admit... When I, I have a little plastic whistle, trophy I'm going to bring to you next week. Thank you. I'll bring when it to you. Yeah. I blew the whistle, I was in character. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but um, at the end, my, my pitcher in a coaching shirt comes up. And there's a, a, a unique moment right at the end because it's an emotional movie. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, and so you're sitting there, imagine, and you have these individual uh, screens on the, um, on the seat back, you know in front of you <laughs> yeah the people are watching that they're all enthralled with the movie and then my picture comes up and assuming i'm the viewer and larry gelwix is sitting next to me this is this is what would happen <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I was <laughs> wide-eyed, and they're looking side to yeah. side. I love it. I was at the Kona, Hawaii airport, uh, <laughs> and in the luggage claim area, picking up a friend that was flying in, and I saw these four people just staring at me in the luggage claim. And then they walked up to me and said, "This is this is going to sound really weird, but." do you coach rugby? And I said, <laughs> matter of fact, I do. Are you Larry Gelwick's, the famous rugby coach? And I said, well, I, I don't know that I'm famous, but they, they said, we just flew in from Dallas. We just saw you on a movie on the flight. You know, it's interesting, Larry, because those are fun things to remember. And those are awesome. And that, that movie uh, transcended so many things, but I think the message that, and the, what I wanted to say to the comments you just made is that I, uh, in raising a young man and my daughters and um, looking at and finding things to inf influence young people in a positive way with true principles and, and, and things that really work and things that really matter is why that movie will never become outdated. And it's, it's just an awesome thing to highlight when something goes right and it infects people in the right ways. And, and you can always draw from that. So I, I love that you, that you were a part of that and that you allowed that to happen. It's definitely blessed. Oh, Miles has got there it. There Miles has got there the you picture are. Right of you as the referee. Who is that young man in the referee? Look at that. Look at that good-looking man. man. Hey, uh, anyway, let me get back to your question. And, and uh, Casey, sure. thank you for that comment. You know, one of the other things that uh, is kind of funny about the movie is I put a condition on it. I said, no, there's no swearing, no nudity, mm, no sex right. in the movie. That is Miles, a, keep that your clothes on during this podcast, too. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Miles has okay. a tendency to get nudes during the podcast. So yeah, and I'll try and watch my language. Uh, it's nice. called, but, uh, called Evolve Raw. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I said, hey, that's just not who we are. That was a non-negotiable item. Yeah. And they, they, mm. they were cool with it, and they respected it. The first draft did have some saucy language in it, and I said, that's got to go. Because yeah. that's not who we are. That's, yeah. that's not part of us. Yeah. You know, I used to, I used to work in uh, entertainment, and um, in movies, television, and theater. And I can tell you that when you said to them, "No swearing, no nudity, no sex," a bunch of executives were sitting in a room like this. How are we going to do this? <laughs> well, well, listen, listen, Miles. I was asked that question by one of the movie people, and he said. Are you serious? How, how, how can you have a movie? And I'm thinking, what do you want me to have a big rave party in the middle of the movie or something? <laughs> but anyway, it's, but it's authentic to your life. Yeah. 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 Thank you very much. Uh, right. Back to your question. Um, there are some memorable moments. Each game was different because the players were different. I think winning some na uh, national championships, Kathy and I, we have five children, two sons, both of which who played. And uh, seeing your sons out there uh, just, just, you know, bleeding for the team, yeah. giving it their best effort and seeing them grow up. Each of them had been the ball boys since about age five or six. Right. And then they play on it. I remember a fifth grader one time coming up after me after a game with his mother and, and just said, coach, I'm going to play for you one day. Mm. And, and when uh, he didn't start until the ninth grade and uh, he's, and I remember that moment, he says, I'm playing for you now, coach. Let me tell you about one that was particularly mm. memorable in 1998. Uh, there was a sanctioned official world tournament. Now, usually a World Cup will take the national, like the national all-star team, you know, yeah, okay. like the Olympics do, you know, with a, a yeah. team sport like basketball. But right. So the best from a different. lot of different teams. Yeah. This one was different. They wanted the, na the defending national high school champion from all the different rugby countries. Oh, and it was in Zimbabwe, Africa. We, uh, uh, we spent almost a month in Zimbabwe and South Africa. So wow. Southern Africa. 
And um, we were we represented the United States teams from England and Wales, Australia, Fiji, Tonga, New Zealand. I mean, all over the world. And of course, How cool is that? Yeah, oh, it was incredible. That's so we were, cool. We were gone for a month. Oh, that's and awesome. uh, one of the great, it was televised all over Europe, all over the Pacific. It was a really big deal, played in a nice big stadium. And yeah. of course, being Americans, um, we were not given a ghost of a chance to win. And what, you know, what we got these boys to buy into is that rugby is not played on paper. Rugby's played on the field. And if we yeah. try to imitate them, we're gonna get we're gonna get our hat handed to us. Hmm. We have our own style, and uh, and we played our style, a very physical style. In fact, I said, "Listen, fellas, um, you go out and you hit them so hard you make them cry." That's what I told them. But <laughs> yeah, I said, I "Do it by the rules." See, if you on my team, if you throw a cheap shot, boom. If the referee doesn't get you, I will. Yeah. We, we don't, but you can play, I mean, a very physical game and yeah. rugby is a physical sport. And I said, listen, here's the game plan. You can bend, but we're not going to break. You do not abandon the game plan unless I call it in. And um, the long and the short is that we made it to the semifinals. Oh, wow. And we went up against Kelston Boys High School. It's a rugby academy. In other words, imagine American high school that focused only on basketball to get boys ready for the NBA or yeah. just focused on football to get them ready for D1 in the NFL. The Kelston yeah. Boys High in New Zealand, excellent school, a real gentleman too would bring in you know scholarship players from all over the world the best rugby players they could find and they're planning on professional careers well we hung with them through halftime and then they they pulled away in the second half we went into the then for third and fourth place in the world against uh Tupo college now college in tonga means high school in oh. fact in much of the british realm it means high school. It's not university. And uh, Tupo was undefeated coming into the tournament, one of the top teams in the world. And uh, we were down 17-5. By the way, rugby scores are comparable to football scores. Football is a breakoff sport from rugby. For a yeah, right. score, we get seven points. We have a three-point kick like a field goal. Yeah. We were down 17-5 at halftime. And I remember talking to the boys in the locker room there at half, just said, uh, you know, they were playing a little bit on their heels going up against one of the top teams that also lost in the semifinals to the Horse School of South Africa. Uh, uh, that was the name of the high school, Horse School High School. And um, I think they were a little, they're just hesitant. They're playing one of the top teams in the world. And some of these boys had picked up rugby for the first time that year. They were in their wow. year. And here we are. Uh, it made it to the semifinals. Now we're playing for a bronze medal third place in the world. And wow, we're pretty intimidating for those kids. Yeah. And we're playing on our heels. And I, and I just laid it out, fellas. You know, this, for many of you, this is the last time you put this jersey on. Have we played our game? Have we played our best? No, coach. And we outlined what we had to do. And we hung in there. We hung in there. The game expires like football. The game's not over until the ball goes dead. And we were down 24-20 with no time remaining. And they knew what to do. We put the call in, keep the ball alive. It's called phases. And we moved the ball. We were on our side of the half. We moved the ball, moved the ball. The ball cannot die or, or we lose. And they moved it. They moved it. They moved it slowly, just making ground coming up the field. And now we're about 20 meters out from the goal line and the ball can't die. We can't kick it. We don't dare do that. We're keeping it alive, moving it around. And there's a call we had called hands. When you call hands, it means that you see something. 
and you're calling for the ball. I want the ball. This is the player, the go-to guy. Give me the ball when the game is on the line. His name was Morgan Scally. He happens to oh. be a defensive <laughs> coordinator at the University right. of Utah. He was an All-American um, football player at the U. He was our captain. And he played yeah. in a position called the wing. One of the toughest kids I've ever coached. One of the nicest mm. kids. He had, he had a work ethic that was just off the charts. He would lift a team. He'd drag a team over the goal line if he had to. And all of a sudden you hear Morgan calling, hands, hands, hands. And boom, the ball is shot out to him on a long pass. He grabs the ball. One of the fastest kids I ever coached. And he takes off like a rocket and makes a dive for the very corner. Bam, bam. He's hit by two of the big Tongan boys. And he gets the ball down. The referee's hand goes up and he scores, which is, is, uh, an, which is five points, two points for a conversion kick. We didn't even have to do the kick. Game has expired. We take a bronze medal. Wow. Third wow. place world finish 25-24 over one of the best teams in the world. Now that's, that's awesome. That's a lesson that games are not played on paper. No. But they're played no. on the field. And you can take a group and you can get them playing so far above their what they think is their natural ability because they've bought into it. Yeah. Yeah, oh, awesome. what a what a great story, and amazing what the human spirit, the potential of the human spirit. If you have the faith and the belief, and you stay in the game, it's amazing what can happen. Now, Larry, we're we're coming up on our time, but I want to ask you just a couple of questions because I know you've been out traveling now. Now you you own a travel company. And with COVID, uh, I'm sure things were pretty quiet for quite some time. But yet last week, you, when you and I were messaging back and forth, you were uh, in your Speedo on the beach, right? Well, that's after I was on the beach. Thank you. <laughs> I'll leave the Speedo to you, Steve. Thank you. But, um, you know, as we look at travel uh, going forward, you've been all over the world. In fact, your company, I was making a list before we started. I think um, we've gone through your company for Disneyland, for cruises, for Mexico trips, for Hawaiian trips, and always do a great job. What's different now about travel? When people look to you as, and you've got multiple names now, your coach Gelwicks, your um, uh, Larry Gelwicks, you're also known as the getaway guru. What are some things that people need to be aware of as they want to tr start traveling, uh, in the midst of this pandemic? Well, everyone's concern, Steve, is health and safety as it should be. Sure. And so I think some of the things you want to do is, is do your own research, uh, as far as health and safety protocols, I'll give you two great websites that you can go to. One is great. maintained by the US State Department, travel.state.gov. And okay. on the homepage, click on international travel. And uh, then on the follow-up page, you can type in the country that you're visiting. It will give you information on vaccines, passport requirements, the consulate, the embassy, and also health and safety, including COVID. And in a moment of shameless self-promotion, there, there is a blog on the Columbus Travel website, that's my co uh, company, the, uh, mm -hmm. columbusvacations.com, click on blog, it's called, Where Can I Travel? Mm. And we mm, keep that right. updated, these are for, international destinations right keep that updated and you'll notice it's not listed alphabetically but it's listed by ease of travel and entry requirements and oh, wow. what okay. we're seeing now is an just a huge pent-up demand for travel uh, future bookings really starting this summer going into the latter part 2020 is off the charts in advanced bookings you know we hmm. want to get going uh, and so you can see where, you know, what you have to do. I'll tell you the popular places right now, Mexico, all inclusives, Caribbean, all inclusives, uh, and Costa Rica, all very, very popular. Oh, you were in Costa Rica last week? Uh, Dominican Republic. Oh, Dominican. All right. Yeah. Thank you. 
Well, Larry uh, Gilwicks, the getaway guru, Coach Gilwicks, the winningest coach in U.S. history. Uh, we sure appreciate uh, having you on as a guest. How can people get a hold of you if they want to hear your radio show, if they want to book some travel with you, if they want to hire you for a speaking engagement? What's the best way for people to get a hold of you? A couple of things. Uh, well, you, I, I've given you our company website, columbusvacation.com. Mm -hmm. In the upper right-hand corner, you can click on radio and see the what syndicated stations. Most of our stations are in the Intermountain area, Utah, Idaho, Wyoming, Colorado, Arizona, Nevada. We also have stations in Florida that pick mm -hmm. up the show. It's every Saturday, 11 to 1, although it is uh, uh, it is um, delayed, I think, in Florida. Uh, you, uh, you can listen to it anywhere in the world with the iHeartMedia app. Uh, oh, okay. you, can, you can pick it up. But I'd, I'll give you a website that you can hear some more of coaching philosophy. You know, since the movie came out, Steve, you alluded to this. I, I do any, a lot of corporate convention seminars, training seminars, uh, everything from NBA teams. I've been with the Houston Astros. I did two days of coaching there, not on hitting or pitching, but on attitude and effort, developing winning strategies. And mm -hmm. two days with the Houston Astros in spring training, uh, college football teams, but most of them are just corporations from Fortune 100 to most of them you've never heard of. My speaker's website is easy to remember. Larry Gelwick's dot com larrygelwicks.com and there's some video clips there you look under testimonies you'll see a long list of uh, of uh, events that i've spoken at i'd love to be a part of any event and i'll be happy to give out a uh, email very simple gelwicks at comcast.net gelwicks is g-e-l-w-i-x at comcast.net Great. Well, Larry, thank you again for coming on and uh, sharing some of your wisdom with us today. Uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you again, my friend. Yeah. And on that note, it's time for us to wrap up another Evolve podcast. I want to thank uh, our guest, Larry Gelwicks, and my co-hosts from Las Vegas, Mr. Sin and Professor Riley ah, in Mr. Ohio. Sin. We've had a great conversation today, and we hope that you, our listeners, took something with you that will help you on your personal evolution. Now, Casey, how do people find us at the Evolve Podcast? Yeah, please join the conversation, uh, our website, evolve-cast.com, and join us at Instagram, at evolve underscore cast. Please leave comments, questions, thoughts, and ideas. This is a, a community of of people wanting to learn, grow, and evolve together. I'm so thankful for uh, Larry taking the time to be with us today. And I took a, a lot of notes, so I'm looking forward to learning and growing through those notes and what we learned there. But please join our community. And, uh, and the one reason we would love to have people leave information on, whether it be our website or, or Instagram, is because everyone has a great story and we can all learn from them. Great. Thanks, Casey. Miles, you are beautiful. How do people look as amazing as you and remember to constantly evolve? Uh, I think today I fell off because I looked in the mirror today and I didn't look so good. <laughs> but, <laughs> the, the minute I picked up my Evolve mug, I looked a little better. There you, there go. you go. There you go. Where do you get that mug from? Know, go to the shop. We got some great gear. We've got the Evolve mugs. We've got the Disrupt t-shirt, which um, it's actually my favorite shirt because it says the word disrupt and how do we disrupt our lives to make them better. Um, go on out and form your own Evolve communities, have conversations with yourselves, get together, talk about breaking barriers, talk about transcendence to make your lives better, and then uh, come hang out with us again on our other podcasts. And I want to thank Larry Gell. Larry, this has really been enlightening. Yeah, um, Larry, a couple of you. things. A couple of things. One, I am now fascinated with rugby, and, and I'm serious. Mm. Yeah, I've always seen rugby from afar. I watched the movie, and now I want to watch a little more rugby to see how it works. The other thing is, when I saw the part in the movie where the kids were doing community service, I thought 
this summer, what do I do to take my son who's 12 and get him involved with going to a hospital and talking to kids or a community garden or something like that. So the movie was inspiring. It's been great talking to you and um, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks again, Larry. Uh, And thank you, our listeners, uh, for listening to another episode of the Evolve Podcast, a podcast that explores personal evolution through our choices and overcoming the challenges that life throws at us. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Evolve Podcast. Join us next time as we talk to entrepreneur, inventor, a guy who has started and sold six different businesses, my good friend, Bill Crawley.